Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. For 25 years, Richard Linklater has led a remarkably eclectic and expansive career, finding ways to work from both inside and outside the Hollywood system while experimenting dramatically with narrative form. The Linklater has proven himself more than capable of making movies that satisfy the three-arc structure, including Newton Boys, School of Rock, Bad News Bears, Me and, Mr. and Orson Welles. He's also found a way to do the films that I am so drawn to, and, and I'm so uh, that would be Slacker, uh, waking Life, Dazed and Confused, Before Sunrise, uh, Scanner Darkly. He is one of the great American filmmakers. I'm so honored to have him here on Film School. That would be Richard Linklater. Richard, welcome to Film School. Hey, thanks for having me. Now, yeah. now, did you go to Film School? Did I understand that you did not? Is that you know? I took a couple classes when I moved to Austin. I wasn't sure. I was. I dropped out of college, and I was thinking about getting back and maybe getting into film school. And I took a couple classes at the community college, like a film history and a film appreciation. Mm-hmm. Remember, I took them in the same semester, which meant I had to write about 30 papers, <laughs> a lot of paper, you know, which was great. I articulate my ideas of cinema and stuff, but I realized I'd kind of gotten ahead of myself. I was already shooting a lot of film. I already seen, you know, so I just kind of never went. I took those two classes, and I had so many friends in and around the University of Texas, you know, film department, yeah. teachers, and the new students when I was younger, teachers as I got older. And, uh, you know, I kind of felt I was around, but I never, no, I was never technically in film school. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, well welcome to film school. How's that? Your, your honorary yeah. degree from, from yeah. this one. Um, well, let's talk yeah. about, about the remarkable arc of not only of the uh, the production of uh, Boyhood, but in the reaction across the board, it has been a remarkably well-received, re- deservedly so, but a remarkably received film uh, across the entire spectrum of the film community, uh, film goers and critics alike. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, deservedly, and it's such a brave idea, uh, and we'll get to all that, but uh, I'm sure you've done this a thousand times. I'm almost hesitant to ask you, but for our listeners, just <laughs> uh, the briefest uh, way you can describe how this all came together, what sort of prompted you to to move in this direction of a 12-year production. Yeah. It wasn't like a conscious... I mean, I was consciously trying to solve my problem, which was how to tell a story about growing up. You know, I had been a parent for a while, and I was kind of thinking deeply about you know, a developing kid in the world and what, what that's like. I was hearkening back to my own childhood, which felt forever present, but having a kid really makes you kind of relive your own life and, and start questioning your parents. Your relation with your parents changes. You see decisions they must have made and, you know, that you're now making. And it, it's kind of a beautiful, beautiful part of life, I think, to, to feel that multi-generational understanding, not only of your own parents, but yourself as a kid. Um, that's one of the huge kind of poetic benefits of parenthood in my experience. But I wanted to express something about that, but I, I didn't really have one moment in, in childhood that I could make a movie about. You know, we, we have a dilemma in film that you don't have in, say, literature. 
where, you know, a writer can say, and then at age seven, he did this, and at age 11, and at age 14, and then that happened at 18. You can't really do a film like that because you've got the physical limitation of the representation of your actors. You can push it a little bit, yeah. but short of recasting as someone who wouldn't look like them, you know, I don't know how you, you know, so I had kind of come to the, I had hit an impasse. My ideas were spread out over all those years, and I didn't have the one moment. I was trying to express all of it, which I had determined was kind of inexpressible in film just yeah. because of the technical limitations. Yeah. And I'm the kind of guy who's gone through my film life, my whole adult life, thinking about this kind of thing, narrative. And when I first got into filmmaking, I approached it like it was the Wild West. I really did think <laughs> there were stories that hadn't been told. There was open territory, the narrative in film. I, I put a lot of thought and theory into it. I thought, you know, there, there's stories. There's properties of cinema that are unique to its to the art form that would allow a different kind of story to be told. You know the way we perceive time in cinema. So I really had put a lot of time into this, and then I think so my thinking, and then plus my specific narrative problem trying to tell this particular story. I think it all culminated a couple years later, right when I had about given up. This idea sprang into my head, and it was if I filmed a little bit over time consistently i would have a film that could express all that and i just saw the final film it was one film everyone aging 12 years which was pretty you know demonstrable and dramatic for the younger kids growing up yeah. the adults would would age but the kids would actually grow up on film in this one sitting so yeah. i'd never seen that film before and i knew it would be a lot of uh patience required and <laughs> persistence or whatever that was. But, you know, don't get into filmmaking if you're not patient. It's a, it's a very patient, demanding art form. So it just seemed like an idea I that I, I had, you know, that was unique to kind of the way I think about film. And so I pursued it. And here we are about 13 years later wow. with, with a film that, it, and it, to me, it's really just about storytelling. It tells the story of that I was trying to tell. It expresses the spectrum of experience I was trying to express. So I found a form to, to tell my story. And that's what I've done in all these films. You know, I, I'm really trying to express something specific and direct. And a lot of my contemplation time in cinema is really trying to find the right form. It's like there's a million stories in the world. How do you tell it? What's the shot? What's the feel? What's the sequence? You know, how do you tell it? So that's where I spend most of my time. Well, and and so often in your films, it, the story is told not only the action, the the movement of the characters, but also the the relationship and and yours more than all, many films in the dialogue and the conversations between these characters, and it it plays it just plays out as such a uh, a. Uh, enveloping or inviting kind of an experience to watch one of your films because uh, you're not only engaged visually but you're engaged intellectually and it it uh, it really makes for a for a, a wonderful cinematic experience <laughs> and now now it's well, from you, you. yeah from what from what you're describing I, I'm maybe I'm presuming here but you did you dip your toe into this idea or did you say you know what I know who I want you've obviously worked with Ethan Hawke in the past uh, Patricia yeah. Arquette, who's obviously uh, part of it. Did you go to them and, and say, 
are you in or were you kind of pushing it a little bit before yeah. you okay yeah you were you knew it right I, I kind of yeah I sort of described the movie as I felt it and saw it I told Patricia you know we talked for a couple hours yeah one day I just called her up and we talked for a long time and and I kind of described her character like she would go back to school she would remarry the kids would you know they'd move and just the, it was like this kind of the arc of the story would be this single mom you know, yeah. trying to do good by her children, you know, yeah. and that would take them in a lot of different directions and sometimes good, sometimes bad. You know, she was yeah. a person trying, but, you know, we things don't always work out. You know, so I think it was a Patricia got it. She had yeah. been a single mom. She knew all about that. You know, we talked about our own moms and, you know, this yeah. is largely based on my own mom. Yeah. So it was. It was, um, we were off to the races as far as, we had so much to say about parenting and so much to say about, we all grew up once, you know, our own childhood, you know, so right. and Ethan too. So right. it well, was, yeah, we just began, you know, but it was, it's a hard film to get financed, obviously. Yeah, well, uh, Patricia was on the program. I had her on uh, in July and she, yeah. she was talking about it and she said, uh, you know, uh, she was going. She also was a parent watching her. Her child was a little older, as I recall, than than Eller is in the film. So, but she had seen, you know, yeah. where things were going. So that, in a way, that's kind of a a nice little roadmap for her as as the character, because you're obviously playing it in the real in real time in relation to Eller's life uh, or Mason's life. Um, and so, yeah. so that was a terrific insight. And and um, and she. Again, I'm just because she really is. I mean, obviously we're watching Mason um, grow up, but it she is so much the 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 backbone of the film. Uh, her actions oh, yeah. and the ramifications of it uh, are so important to the story. Um, so it's it's just a yeah. It's it's a, I don't know. This is completely unique. I mean, some people have pointed to the Up series and watching people you know old grow older, but I don't recall it seeing it in such a humanist film i mean humanistic film i mean in a sort of just this is yeah it's the small moments i mean there are there are these kind of i think the 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 difference between documentary and narrative is is vast let's face it you know and going and interviewing people every you know it's some of steve james's longitudinal studies i mean i like that i'm kind of obsessed with it really (laughs) I like documentaries. I like scientific studies that cover long periods of time. Yeah. You know, a little bit of information over a long period of time, longitudinal studies. So I consider this kind of a longitudinal narrative, you know. And I well, thought, you know, I kind of expected to finish the film and, and <laughs> feel someone, you know, you, it's kind of like publishing your work as a scientist. You put it out there, and then it's up to the community, and in this case, film critics and historians, I kind of expected them to say, oh, that's very similar to the, the film that was made in Finland between 1957 and 1968. <laughs> they did a thing. You know, I'm like, yeah, okay. I didn't know about that, but yeah, of course, there's nothing new in the world. But that hasn't happened. You know, that was July, <laughs> and we came out in July, yeah. and that hasn't happened yet. So I'm starting to think, well, but, and I can also tell you now, 12 years later, why no one's ever done this and why no one will probably try to do it again because it's really, really wildly, crazily impractical, yeah. you know, yeah. on so many levels. 
Well, uh, Patricia conveyed to me, she said every summer, she, not, I don't think you did it every summer, but when you got together, she said it felt like going away to this really great summer camp. For a, for a few weeks. Now, <laughs> now, obviously, you had tons and tons of preparation. By the way, I want to remind our listener we're speaking with Richard Linklater, and he is the director of the film Boyhood. In addition, I'll just run through a couple of them. Before Midnight, Scanner Darkly, Before Sunset, Before Sunrise, and one of my all-time favorite films, uh, Waking Life, uh, and others, many, many others. Um, so, uh, and the... The story itself obviously was unfolding, and obviously you were taking cues as you you lived near Eller Col, uh, Coltrane's. Uh, you lived near him, so you were seeing him as he yeah. grew up. Did this story take uh, any kind of very left turn kind of uh, t- takes in terms of where you, you know, thought it was going? Or it it seems to be a very natural film, and I I don't I I imagine you wouldn't be too surprised by the progression of his character. But was there anything that surprised you? No. Okay. You know, it's a boring answer, but the truth is no. It it happened so incrementally. Mm-hmm. Like a year is a lot in your life when you're a kid, but representing someone over a year year later isn't, it's pretty incremental. Mm -hmm. You know, the little changes, kids might grow two inches, you know, might grow and you're essentially yourself. And there was never an event or something, a trauma that existentially challenged the movie, you know? So it was really just this slow little progression and wonderful kind of way to spend 12 years thinking of, these characters and, you know, seeing Eller, you know, I'd see him throughout the year, depending on schedule, you know, what was going on and just kind of being in touch with him and what was going on in his life. And I had all these scenes, like I said, it was pretty mapped out and I would just kind of like, okay, I think this is the year for the the sex talk. Oh, this is the year for the camping trip. This is the year for the, you know, I think it's time to do the Bible and the shotgun. I think it's time to have a road trip with the girlfriend. I think it's, the parents need to, you know, we need to have that scene, you know. So it was always just kind of putting together a big puzzle of, I would say, pre-existing pieces and just kind of, but I had a year, which is what films never give you, that kind of gestation time, that I could literally shoot a few days, edit, and then think, yeah. you know, for a year. Yeah. And what does the film need? Is this element working the way I want it to? Do I need, what do I need to emphasize or de-emphasize? You know, it's, Kind of a beautiful way to work, you know. And films don't offer you that. So right, it's like a time sculpture. Or well, no, you also had yeah. your your daughter Lorelai, and you also, I mean, to look at your your uh, uh, filmography here, you know, let's in many ways before sunrise, <laughs> before sunset, and before midnight are kind of the same idea, aren't they? Um, yeah. You, you have these kind of brief encounters with two people who well, um, yeah. felt a deep connection between one another. The the before trilogy is, um, it's very simple in a way, too. Like, the idea for this is very simple. I'm a, right. I'm a very simple, clean storyteller. I'm trying to direct, you know, but the forms they take are, are more challenging right? and kind of tough to pull off sometimes, but... The uh, the essence of it is I'm trying to get at something kind of like closer to real to life, you know. Yeah. But that yeah. takes a lot of work to represent that in a way that's not yeah a documentary or not a um 
you know, an improv thing. It's, it's highly structured and written and rehearsed. And, you know, that's, I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with the craft of okay, it all. Yeah, again, yeah, again, I'm looking over the filmography uh, of yours, and you really are covering, you're in the process of covering a, a, a very full life of, you know, I mean, you could t- you could <laughs> literally take Boyhood and extrapolate it into before sunrise, before sunset, and before midnight, and you could get a you can get a fairly robust view of 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 uh, of, of the, the all of life, you know, all of the sort of twists and turns that our lives can take. And uh, I mean, I just love it. I just love your filmmaking. I got to tell you, Richard, I'm I'm a big fan, oh, and I, uh, I, I, I I really enjoy watching you unfold a story. I mean, going back, I'm looking slacker, dazed, and confused. <laughs> I mean, it just uh, it's it's such a it's such a joy to watch somebody who appreciates well, the humanity that we all share, and and really bring you know brings that in. So you know, I've just I've just stuck another little piece in the life project puzzle too. I just wrapped a movie. That is college. It's the first weekend of college in 1980, so it's kind of a continuation of boyhood yeah, in a way. Yeah, a guy a guy shows up at college having left everything and meets his new roommates and meets a girl. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's a comedy. You know, it's like so. I have my college movie. Yeah, you know, it's both kind of a sequel to Days Confused and a continuation of Boyhood. So that fits in that little moment. But yeah, I think when you add it all up, and like a you know, a lot of my films are, you know, they're fairly autobiographically inspired. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, you know, make sense of periods in my own life or thought processes or, you know, whatever. So yeah. well, <laughs> it, it's kind of a fun well, what project a, what, know, to, to be able to do that. What a life. I mean, what a life to be able to, you know, work with these great artists. I mean, uh, Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette and all the people you work with throughout your film career. And to tell what what is you know shaping more and more up like a like I said the full spectrum of our, of our experiences that most people have but told in a way that's very uh, very humanizing and very universal and I'm going to ask you a question I don't know if anyone's ever asked you uh, regarding Boyhood can you see picking up Eller's life ten years from now or or so uh, I mean for for some kind of a follow on or are you done with that you know I'll. I'll be honest, like, I, I really always thought this was done. You know, this was a moment in, you know, this is those years, first through 12th grade, it's everything I kind of wanted to say to a large degree about, um, you know, growing up. You know, it, it's an exploration of that and to whatever degree parenting, and it's an expression. And I never, the grid was presented, you know, 12 years, that was the deal. And then since the film came out in July... And we've been processing it being over, and I've spent a lot of time with Eller, of course. Now, I really have started to think, like, well, the 20s are pretty interesting. <laughs> you don't change as demonstrably physically. Right. But, you know, once I jump into the sphere of all the little things that would happen, say, post-college, as you kind of maneuver through. So I don't know. I, <laughs> what I'm saying is I, I haven't ruled it out, yeah. and I don't think it would have to be 12 years. Or, yeah. You know, it really it's not necessarily – the 12-year thing was – specific to yeah. one period. I don't know what it would be, but there's there's a lot of stories to be told within other future frameworks. So I don't know. I'm not ruling anything out. Yeah. I've just been interested. Because I don't know. What the, I, I never thought we'd make before sunset and before midnight. Yeah. You know, but suddenly those characters emerge and they have something to say about a new phase of life. You know, you kind of go with it. You know, mm-hmm. you say, oh, that represents 
um, a pretty complex little new level people get to. So yeah. I don't know. Well, anything anything can happen. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, I, 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 I'll get you out of here. I want to r- remind our listeners that we're speaking with Richard Linklater. The film is Boyhood. You're in town. You're here in Los Angeles. You're going to be at the Arclight uh, tonight. Am I correct? Friday night? Uh, yeah, tonight. Yeah, a couple screenings. Doing Q&A. Eller and myself will, will be there. Oh, fantastic. Well, do we have a time? Uh, yeah. Time Is it a 7.30 screening? or what? Do, do we know that? Let me look right here. There are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a well. I'm doing Q and A's. I think the early early evening screening, maybe one around okay. seven or seven thirty or so. Because right, right. I'm doing Q and A's at nine thirty and ten. Okay, so that makes sense. Two that and a half sense. hours. Yeah, whatever, yeah, so. that'll make sense. Yeah, the early night. Screenings at the ArcLight. Fantastic. We're, we're going to be there. Fantastic! What a great uh, 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 little yeah. complex for theaters and and uh, wonderful. And uh, and one last thing because oh, I, I, I love I, that place. Yeah, yeah, it is great. Uh, I I want to also acknowledge your uh, your importance, your co- contribution to uh, the film community in the city of Austin, and how many I can't even tell you. I've had at least a half a dozen of your colleagues from Austin on the program uh, with some amazing films. Uh, you are a big part of the yeah. Austin uh, Film Society. And talk to, uh, talk to our listeners a little bit about what you, what you do with that and what you're hoping to really, well, sort of the purpose of the Austin Film Society. Yeah. Well, we, we started the Film Society almost 30 years ago just to show movies. You know, I was greedy to see films I hadn't seen. And back then you had to, you know, not much was available on on video and stuff. So, you know, it was fun to get a community together. But out of that, you know, it's like a film club environment, which is what a good film school should be. You know, where a bunch of film freaks get together and talk about films and, you know, the people who want to write, direct, are focused on that. But, you know, with the commonality is a love of, of cinema, world cinema, all kinds of film, what a film can be. You know, so it was fun to be around people who, who share that, that passion. And, you know, out of, over the years, out of that, a lot of you know, filmmakers have come through. We give out grants, you know, to filmmakers in our state. And yeah. we just, you know, we do a lot of things. We're edu- education in school. But the primary thing to me is always the exhibition. You know, yeah. we run into each other at screenings. We talk about the films after. It's just, you know, it's a, I've always thought film as kind of a parallel world, you know, where it's just films and making films and it's, I prefer it to the real world, you know, <laughs> the world of cinema. Well, I, 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 you know, I, I encourage people everywhere to find that community. Don't just watch films in your, uh, you know, at home, you know, like get out there and watch movies in public and take your friends. And, you know, it's just, I think it's tribally important, you know, yeah. like the old campfire storytelling or something. It's a, a need in us, you know. Yeah. Well, I, so I just I, wanted to—I I just want to acknowledge your uh, your contribution. You know, sort of the idea of giving back, as you said, sort of the ca- I love the campfire idea. You know, we're sitting around telling some stories. Yeah. You know, I, I think that is such an, a, a great way to develop talented people and give them that space. And and that seems to me yeah. what Austin is about. And, and and for me, film didn't. I'm not giving back to film. Film has always fed me. Yeah. You know, film has given me everything. So. I'm just playing a part in that exchange any way I can, but I've never looked at it as, oh, I'm giving, 
you know, I'm like, oh no, this is my food. This is my whole. It's very important to me. You know, post this, that 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 exists. You know, so it really has always been an important part of my life. You know? Well, well, I am I'm thrilled. I can't tell you to have you on uh, the show on on Film School today, and I. I see good things for Boyhood moving forward. Uh, it's coming out now uh, on um, and on iTunes yeah. on December 9th. It comes out on iTunes, and it comes out on December 6th. I mean, I'm sorry, January 6th uh, as a DVD. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's that time. Everyone who, you know, there's a lot of people who just can't make it to the theater. You know, you got kids, you got a job. You know, yeah. sometimes you're out of the demographic of people who can just readily run to a theater. But uh, so, yeah, there's good. It's good that it's it's finally coming out on all those yeah. additional formats. And congratulations yeah. on the Spirit Award nominations uh, as well. So you'll you'll be back here, I'm sure, for at very least the Spirit Awards, and I suspect you'll be out here for <laughs> another event that's I'll on that so. same weekend. So uh, I really, again, Who knows? yeah, Who I know, knows? I know, I know. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to say it out loud, but oh, I don't even <laughs> believe in that stuff. You know, I'm just. We're all just, hey, man, our film came out in July. If people are still talking about it this time of year. That, that's kind of amazing to us. So what the hell? All right. Thank you hey, so much. Hey, great talking to you. Yeah, me too. All yes. Right. All right. All right. Well, good all the best. Everybody, so. All uh, right. Be good. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Take care. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.